Hey, it's podcast episode three. Trace. It's the morning again, you know? Opposite of skeleton hours. I drove here and thought, you know, all you people are going to work. I'm going to go talk about some random album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's our jobs. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Uh, Well, yeah, today we're talking about uh, Joni Mitchell, the album Blue. So let's check that out. talking about dulcimers here and i just discovered that you have one not for long or, or uh sorry uh <laughs> the opposite of that sorry sorry it's going away i'm soon. gonna throw it's it away soon. uh i haven't had it for long yeah a very very kind uh very kind uh old friend just said hey you should uh this is mine and you should have it gave it to my wife here i am making that intro track trying to jerry-rig a guitar to sound like a dulcimer I'm sorry and there's a bro that's just like, yeah, I have one. It's, it's at my house. It's just down the street, man. I'm so I'm sorry, <laughs> but that that's a really cool. You did a really cool thing. Yeah, you dude. Got, yeah, you got a, you got a fake fake fake, dul- uh, uh, fake dulcimer. imposter dulcimer. Yeah. It sounds awesome. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it sounds cooler than my old dulcimer. All right, Joni Mitchell Blue. Let's do a little context and then we'll get into it. Um, my friend, <laughs> I don't know why this is my first note, but Joni Mitchell's from Canada. I did, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, and then discovered it. Uh, um, I, sorry, I want to read. No, it. Go, ahead, go ahead. Go you're ahead, good. Go ahead, uh, go Joey Mitchell's from Canada. This is her fourth album. <clears throat> Excuse me. It came mm. out from came out in 1971. Um, from what I understand, so we'll talk about this in a little bit. But this is the first album on this list that I didn't know anything from. Mm. I had never heard any of these songs. This was my first experience. From what I understand. She was rising in popularity. Okay. Like, not, I, I wouldn't say household name, but pretty stinking big, like mm-hmm. known across the world. Um, and uh, this was the fourth album that I think people would say is her, like, the, the greatest Bre- single album. Break, breakout? I, mean, uh, I don't know. So I wouldn't say, like say that's gr- kind of a breakout, word, but more maybe. like um, um, the, the um, Abbey Road of her. Of her discography, it was written and produced by Joni. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah. Um, so Joni Mitchell, at this point in time, had this like just super group of friends. Like she was surrounded by people from like the most famous songwriting bands of all time. Uh, she was friends with James Taylor. She was friends with. Um, uh, I think the thing that like kind of like pushed her into the stratosphere was. She got connected with uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. Um, and that's like, you know, whether you like them or not, that's some like songwriting royalty kind of uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 right. Um, and yeah, uh, so surrounded by that kind of stuff, I think that's pretty much the... David Crosby, right? Mo- is mm-hmm. that... Uh- Saying like I think she was like maybe closest with him is that is that right? Is so that we'll right? talk about this in a little bit, but okay. actually it seems like she was closest with Graham Nash because they okay. dated. Close, so. close, <laughs> even Got closer. It. Got it. Um, yeah, so I think that kind of paints the picture. I think 
at this time. So this is this is an assumption. Just mm-hmm. just thinking on because nineteen seventy one that period of like history. Definitely. Am I? Do you think I'm right in saying definitely the most famous famous female singer songwriter around at that point in time? Right? Um, I I would especially agree with this that. genre like the folky kind of thing that she's doing. Yeah. So I don't. Um. I don't definitely don't have any, you know, like factual whatever to, to do. I, I think so. I guess that's that's my understanding as well. Right. Like a little bit of, of what I would have uncovered would have even called Joni Mitchell like the most important female artist of like the that, second half of the 20th century. Yeah. Like even still today, they would say that mm-hmm. is I'm saying like she's characterized that way. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think like when this record came out, like in the moment, like it's certainly mm-hmm. no disrespect to later female artists, but I'm saying like right now or, yeah. you know, in 71 when it yeah. came out, it's like Joni was, Joni was queen. Yeah. Jo- Joni was on top. Yep. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's, let's, let's dig into some thoughts here. I'm, <laughs> I am excited to hear what, what, what your thoughts are. Oh, I'm excited man. to share mine. Oh man. Initial thoughts when you when you first stuck this on. So I always I actually love this question, uh, and it's a bummer. Not about it's. Now I know it's coming. I'm mm-hmm. like very sure to always document my initial thoughts. Let me pull. Let me pull them up here. Uh, but like the first thing that I wrote, that that did, seriously, it was uh, Joni has an insane vocal range. Uh, insane. And there are such high notes on this record. Uh, so that, that's my, uh, what we, that, that was what hit me first. Like, Absolutely I'll say, insane. I think I mentioned this to you in passing the other, the other day before, like before this, uh, we're doing this here, but, uh, uh, for me, so we're only three albums in, obviously this was the most, um, I guess I kind of want to say different than what I expected. Um, I don't know why. And it's, it's actually kind of goofy because I, I, this is great, man. I've heard Joni Mitchell's name in a way all my life or all I got, like I've heard of her as an artist, but you know, we're like 50 years down the road from when this record would have come out. Sure. I don't know if I've ever heard, like I've never actually dug into like, who is this artist? Like what's, what is the, what's her style? What's the stuff she does? So kind of like, preaching to the choir here but like our little listening journey is like cool for me man Let, mm-hmm. like um, yeah, yeah i felt the same way anyway so like going into this i knew Joni mitchell like i had this sort of like folk singer songwriter i expected the songs to be kind of stripped down uh uh i had that in my head uh and then i put on the first track and it just wasn't like it is that it is like a stripped down folk kind of singer songwriter thing, but for some reason, man, I just was not prepared. Like, like the thing that she is doing, uh, the Joni style, like very like fluid vocals. Like I feel like these vocal lines and like melodies are just sort of like floating, sort of over like the chord structure. Are there like bars that we care about, or mm, is it just like a? Uh, like the, the solid whole, point the whole thing that Joni Mitchell is doing I was not ready for um and uh so it was really interesting to me honestly because I felt like this would be like the simplest album of okay we've only done it's literally three so they're, they're but I was like bro I'm gonna listen to these songs by Joni playing a little guitar singing little melodies and like Honestly, the first couple of listens to me, they were sort of anything but that. Like a lot of crazy rhythms of like vocal delivery, a lot of 
it was very different than what I thought. And again, first first impressions, that was too long of a first impression. But uh, <laughs> like her voice hit me first. Like, wow, the way this lady is singing, the the Joni, man, uh, you, we've established this on this podcast. Uh, uh, I'm not a vocalist, uh, so a lot of hearing drummer this record was through, was through drummer ears. Absolutely. Not, not a lot of drummer ears, too. I think there was a song again. Maybe we'll get to it. I heard somebody like dinking around on like some hi hats for like ten seconds of one song. Uh, uh, that that and that did it for me. I was like, oh yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, there's the, drums. At least we knowing like there's like elements of a drum set somewhere in this studio that Joni was recording made me happy. But uh, so the melody, the, the what again stuck out? Crazy range, but Joni would just like do these. Uh, I don't even know what you you know what you want to call them. Not really like vocal runs, but she would just sit, be singing in like kind of a lower register and then just slay me with these like high notes, mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere. It sounds yeah. like she jumps like like if you did like a line of of lyrics, you know, and you're like, here you're gonna sing this this line, and then you know chart it out like the melody. It's like, bro, it seems like there would be notes that'd be like octaves and octaves apart. Like like Joni don't care, man. She yeah. she she would just like way up and then way back down like this really kind of not like random melody but i'm saying it, it i wasn't ready for that like it was very very like a very uh like sweeping i get you know yeah. that that that's what hit me man wild melodies wild i, th- I think um so th- so this album uh i have no shame in saying it took me a couple listens to like really get mm okay I think agreed, I agreed. I had casually mentioned to you. So for for anybody listening, uh, Ben and I see each other most days here at at the store in the studio. But yeah, yeah. But we on purpose try not to talk about this album as we're listening through it until right. this podcast. And I had casually mentioned to you the just the idea of like coming off of a super high of uh, pet sounds. And being like, wow, this this was like a revelation to me. I understand mm-hmm. pet sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and like literally, we finished that podcast, and like three hours later, I started listening to this, uh, and it was just such a different. This is such a different album in in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, kind of maybe, but maybe but I think partially ways. because of that, I it just took me a couple listens to actually say, oh, okay, I, I get what's going on here. I mean. The, the, I think for sure the essential piece of this album is Joni Mitchell's voice. Um, that's right. like the biggest thing. The I, I guess one characteristic that that you're gonna see about this album all the time, and you're gonna hear it too, is dulcimer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, dulcimer is on over half the tracks. Uh, there are ten tracks on this album. Um, a lot of the songs, I guess, she arranged on dulcimer. So. <laughs> In in uh, all my in all my <laughs> reading, I've really? never I've never seen the term appellation more as a descriptive word in my life than reading about this album. Hmm. Everybody calls it an Appalachian dulcimer, which I maybe it's because we live close to the Appalachian Mountains, but I've just heard it called a dulcimer mostly my whole life. Okay, um, like a hammer dulcimer is a different thing, but. Like the quote-unquote Appalachian dulcimer is the little small instrument that sits on your lap that usually has three strings. Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. yours have three strings? 
I want to say it has four, okay. but I'm not sure. Regardless. Do some have four? Is, they, is that a... I'm, so it's kind of a weird world four, of... four, but like two are for sure just this, like literally the exact same. Yeah. Like, like, a, like a... So the, uh, the kind of key component... Yeah, 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 yeah. I think... You know, no, I actually think you're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's the two that are unison, and then there's one that's kind of spaced a little farther away, and then there's one more. So there's like three different uh, notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, the big thing with with dulcimers, if you've, if you've never played one or never seen one, is a lot of the idea is there's going to be these droning strings mm, mm-hmm, that just happen mm-hmm. and happen and happen, like no matter what you play. Uh, it's kind of a unusual instrument to begin with because of that, because it's not the easiest thing to do different chords and stuff like that. Um, so you kind of always have this droney thing, no matter what you do, and you can actually. Uh, it took me a while, but I actually really like the first track. The first track has some kind of weird melody stuff on the dulcimer because of the droning thing. Like some of the notes she's hitting Dude. in the key is like, whoa, what are you doing? You I know? didn't even know that it would until you mentioned this. I just thought she was doing weird stuff on like an acoustic. Oh, like, no. Like you. Oh, no. Dulcimer. Like really high, you know, like really capoed up or something like really hot, like makes so much more sense now honestly. yeah so if, the, if you listen the, to it literally the first sound you hear on the record is a dulcimer, is a dulcimer. that makes so much more um, sense now man yeah and she would arrange a lot of these songs on like write them with the dulcimer which then you know if so we'll get into it in a little bit here but james taylor played acoustic guitar on like four or five of these songs oh okay um and he even said it was it was kind of a breath of fresh air for him because the dulcimer like leaves so much room for chord interpretation. Sure. So he said he could just kind of throw out, yeah, I'll do this chord and then I'll do this chord and then I'll do this weird chord, you know, because it wasn't anything else really clashing. Yeah, in that, because in the that dulcimer space. like only has you know we said four strings, three different notes, uh-huh. so you don't have a lot of you know actual like um, you're not fighting chordal much. harmony uh, or whatever uh, you'd say. Um, yeah, so lots of dulcimer. That was that was kind of first impression. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like you said, vocals are are wild, 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 wild. So, I think the other thing that kept me from diving in, or not diving in, but understanding it immediately, was what you said. The rhythms of her melodies sound the f- <laughs> the first listen. They sound like it's ad libbed, like it's improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and you're just yeah. tossing out words and. Occasionally you repeat them a whole bunch and then sometimes you don't. And then the next time the chorus comes around, it's like a little different than the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's weird because there are a few songs on here that are pretty catchy or whatever mm-hmm. whatever you call that. But there are a lot of songs where the melodies are just wild. Yeah. Wild. And then to go along with that, a lot of times it does the... Um, I don't know... That this is necessarily a Bob Dylan thing, but I was associated with Bob Dylan. The thing of where the the lyrics and the vocals lead the song. So if you have a verse that's, you know, one stanza extra, well, then you just play until it's over, and then the next section starts. So it doesn't necessarily follow a meter of 4-4 four, four, or 3-4. Four. It's like, we're going to go until the vocals are done, and it, then we're going to go into the instrumental. It's like... Um Again, there, I think there are whole. I tried to look up what I thought this was last night, and I, I was sort of painfully wrong. Uh, uh, <laughs> but like in a lot of ways, this there's certainly no disrespect here to Joni or others. But like th- these are obviously songs; it's obviously musical. But in a lot of ways, it's like it's poetry 
over like over instruments. Yes. Which obvi- I mean you could say very obviously it's like all songs are that uh, in a, in a, in a sense. But what I'm saying just to what with where you're like it's very clearly like the the lyrics are the thing that are driving this like what you said yes. and the instruments are going to do what they have to do to fill to fill in like like a lot of uh, I mean, it's whatever you want to do as an artist, but it almost seems like a lot of songs or a lot of artists would do exactly the opposite of what you just said. Be like, hey, we're in three, four, and I know you want to say this line, but it's like two words too long. Yep. Cut those words. Cut, yeah, because, figure out another way like, to say that, music that line. Is going yes. to, or same with a different rhythm or say it like, because like, we're not going to just do a random measure of six and a half because you like... That's I guess that's maybe a more typical way or like yeah so your, I your likes I, that better or, or I, I always people? um I know I said Bob Dylan but in teaching guitar for years the one that comes to mind is if you go listen to old Johnny Cash songs um specifically like one everybody knows would be uh, Ring of Fire if you mm-hmm. listen to Ring of Fire the timing of that song doesn't make a lot of sense when you listen to it casually it's fine like it doesn't bother you at all but as soon as you start trying to play that rhythm it keeps switching back from three to four to three to four based on like, oh, well, this vocal line is this long, and then we need that trumpet line to come back in. And then we need to go back to the another vocal line. Got so it. it keeps like going back and forth, so it doesn't necessarily follow just four, four, or three, four. Did not know that. Like there's, there's a bunch of old songs like that that they follow the vocals first. So, you know, I, I don't know this necessarily, but in my, when I listen to that kind of stuff, it seems to me like you would write the song and if you had, you know, the line that you thought was the the one, you would just say, okay, well, uh, I'm done now. I don't need to trim this down. I'll just make the vocals follow all that other stuff. Uh, or I'll, I'll make the instruments follow the vocals at that point. So, yeah, very vocal heavy, very lyric heavy. The, the, um, the, the rhythm, right? That, I mean, that just maybe like the whole thing. obviously the whole stuck thing out just... to me, like the rhythm of, or maybe the better word vocally is like, you know, delivery, the delivery of the vocals. Like that was another thing that to me, I think listening through it first, like I said, I, it maybe sounds strange because there's not, this isn't a super complex album. Like there aren't, it, there aren't billions of instruments and billions of layers and all of that. But still, this was like the most different, it was the least like what I expected. And mm-hmm. I think part of that, it was a little disorienting for me. There's very clearly like verse verses and choruses. Like there's sort of parts to these songs. For uh, sure. But they're not what you think. Or it's not the, it, to me, it's like not the traditional like song structure mm-hmm. in a way of like, oh, well, we did that verse and now we're clearly going to do a chorus and cl- like just the delivery, the way the melody is working over the chords and the and the timing, all of that is like, you sort of just feel like you're on a little ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, like song starts, it's like you're on like like an amusement park ride. Uh, like you start going down the track and you're just sort of going to go, you're just sort of going to go where it takes you, man. And like you're going to- your hands in the air. For sure. See what happens. Uh, let Joni lead you. Uh, like you're for sure going to go up some hills and down some hills. And, you know, like it's going to happen. There's some familiar parts, but like it just was in a way disorienting and kind of hard for me to- to like latch on to these songs right away like like hard to interpret in a way hard to like what are the parts i'm hearing what are the is it the, i didn't think about but i couldn't agree more like the ad lib thing like it really just kind of feels like 
like really spontaneous, really yeah. like it very much is like almost feels like like stream of consciousness type stuff in a way where she's just kind of like letting it go. Let, let, like So one of the um, driving forces that pushes this album to be on greatest lists of all time is it's just wildly personal before people were really doing that thing. Yeah. So these days, you know, like sad girl music is like kind of its own genre. There's there's like a million of those kinds of artists. That sure. It's like pretty depressing sounding, but it's wildly personal. Yeah, you're um, very anecdotal, very yeah. very at this point in time, that's not that wasn't really a thing. And in my opinion, kind of relating to what you're talking about. I, I thought it kind of sounded like I w- she would be reading her diary over oh, over, over top of uh, playing guitar. Sure. You know what I mean? Because they're the very personal like... personal element of it. Yeah. The, a lot of the songs like Carrie and the one about uh, the, This Flight Tonight and like those songs, they're they're about experiences that right. she's actually having. They're right, not, right, you know... Right. And they're, they're documented. They're like a, about actual things she did. They're not... They're not. Oh, I had a dream, and this happened. It was actual. This was a this thing was she a did. Moment in, yes, in uh, her, in her life. life. Yeah, uh, and that's what it feels like. It feels like oh, you're just kind of stream of consciousness was a good word. It it just feels like you're you're thinking through these thoughts and you're singing them at the same time. Like that's a lot of what it feels like. There is more structure than just that. Yeah, but it feels very sort of first takes for yeah. me. It was like, man, mm-hmm. this was just very not. Uh, just not the uh, arrangement or, or delivery of the songs that I did not expect it. That was not what I was prepared yeah. for. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, you you touched on a thing. There's not a lot of instruments on here. I want to get the instruments out of the way and just talk about vocals for a while because that is the thing. Uh, instruments that I wrote down, there's dulcimer, obviously. We talked about that. Acoustic guitar, we talked about that. Uh, there are some tracks that are almost exclusively just piano and her voice. Mm-hmm. So there's piano plays a big part. And mostly the only other thing is there's some there's the tiniest little taste of drums on like basically two songs. There's a couple little bongo songs, um, but like hardly noticeable percussion. Almost yeah yeah. yeah. There a lot on the first track right like there's some of the first track. E- even that then... though it's the kind of stuff where if you're not paying attention you don't won't even notice it's there. Right. You know. Right. There, there's the one song uh, this flight tonight has the. There's a section that's supposed to like kind of emulate a AM radio. Oh yeah, that's that has like pretty, steel guitar. That's and, pretty cool, man. Uh, uh, that, like, but it's literally like f- oh, four, four bars. There's like that's like the moment on the record where it's like the most instrumentation yeah, there, going uh, for on. for basically four bars <laughs> yeah. of one song. There's a full band and then it goes away. Was, yeah, because it because you're supposed to be like listening to a track, so it's like a full band's worth. Mm-hmm. Of, it's pretty cool. But it's like an effect. It's not even a mm-hmm. real. It's, not even, it's supposed but, to be like an effect. But but that's it. Yeah, like <laughs> most of the songs are a couple acoustic guitars and a dulcimer or a piano, and that's that's all you got. Um, so again, kind of like reiterating that um, vocal heavy interpretation here. So as far as as far as vocals, the one thing I wanted to point out that definitely was a. First impression, but kept ringing true every time I I would listen through again. Um, <laughs> there is not a lot of reverb on this album, whatsoever, on uh, any instrument at all. And dry, I think dryness. And I think part of the <laughs> rough thing for me was 
Pet Sounds is caked in reverb. It is, there is so much reverb on every instrument in that album. And then this one, there's zero. The, the, I do think maybe this is what the Rolling Stone, the book was doing, but the lit, literal, like, uh, like jarringness of Whew. listening to Pet Sounds what we already, you know, wall of sound, Phil Spector, just that world, like like that world of music. And then it's like, hey, here's Joni, literally just sitting in a lawn chair in your backyard, like playing a dulcimer and singing. Yeah. It was so, I mean, it's hyperbole, but it's like, you, you maybe couldn't have found two more different sounding records. Uh, so with, I guess to kind of sort of drive that point home of how wild her voice is, when a singer sings and there is no reverb, you're you're as a listener, you are a lot more prone to hear the imperfections in that voice because yeah, it sounds like you're right bit, in the room. A little so, bit, leave reverb a little bit, smooths it out, kind of. Yeah, right like like um, that that's that's a. It, it's not like people. It's not like people choose to use reverb because it helps a, a vocalist stay sound more in tune. But at the same time, that really helps make it feel more natural and you you don't notice that stuff as much there's obviously you and i both know there's there's certain like eq things that happen where if your voice is eq'd in a certain way when you hit a slightly flat note it sounds more more noticeable to your ear and it's harsher but the reverb thing even if it, it like even if it's not you know sounding like you're in a cathedral even if it's just oh you sound like you're in you know a bigger room Mm -hmm. it helps kind of cushion that a little bit uh there are for sure singers we i'm sure we'll we'll dive into this topic in the future on certain albums but there are singers that have this miraculous ability to sing flat and then it just sounds okay like you don't even notice the first time i ever realized that i was listening to um arcade fire uh, i think it was the suburbs maybe it was reflector i don't know but one of those albums that i think that guy's voice is cool or whatever but it is not in tune a lot of the time. And then when you actually pay attention to it, it's kind of weird. But when you're just casually listening, it's it's just normal. It just sounds mm-hmm. fine. It sounds cool. Uh, there are some people that can do that. But most people, if I'm being honest, um, they can't. They can't. They cannot do that. <laughs> when you sing bad, it sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. Like you're like, a normal person. You're, so you're... anything we can do to help that a lot of times helps make it sound smoother. Uh, but Joni said, nope, I'm not doing that. All, all up front, yeah. all up front, and no harmony really. There's, yeah. there's basically background vocals on Carrie, and that's pretty much it. There's like the whole album. There's really no harmony. Yeah, at all. Yeah, which is again, there's, there's nothing to save you. It's just, it's the most intimate vocal that you can get. You're just, it literally, if you listen to it, I know it was recorded in '71, so it sounds a little bit like an old recording. But it just sounds like you're there. Joni's in the same room. She's singing these songs. That's right. what it sounds like. Uh, can you in in we'll do like studio history or whatever you want to say production world. This is very obvious, right? But so no, none of these. There's no concept of tuning or altering vocals back then, right? Right? Is that like yes. I am hearing what Joni sang into a mic? Uh, so for uh, sure. Um, Contrary to popular belief, there was ways of manipulating a vocal. Uh, okay. Eventually, okay. you definitely would not do that on an album like this. You you could not get away with it because it would sound too fake and too bizarre. Um, 
long story short, they would have um, like what's the the old school thing like the Eventide Harmonizer or whatever it was called. Uh, eventually came me. into play. Okay, uh, was like a rack unit that you could actually like send the vocal through. Now again, though, you're not. Please understand, you're not relying on that like we do today. Th- that would be used for, you know, if somebody's in the studio and they had the most perfect take and one note was kind of bad, then you'd go and say, let's see if we can fix that note. This today we can do we can manipulate vocals like crazy. Yeah. Back then this was not a thing. So definitely on Joni's record, the it's vocal like, you hear is her singing. That is what she. That's what that's she what it sounds like. That's Absol- what it, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and and to me, again, we'll go back to like drummer ears, but I but I think like I'm not really that good at listening closely to the things you're talking about there, like the Arcade Fire stuff and. But like I, it literally did. Imp- it, I, I, one of my thoughts listening through this record was like, "Oh, this is crazy that this lady can sing like this. Like she's literally doing this stuff and like sounding really good. You may or may not like it, but it's like she's sounding like pretty dead on with this wild stuff she's doing. Yeah, that was crazy to me. That's so very the one, imp- that's very the wild. one that popped out actually, I literally just listened to it on my way in this morning. Uh, track number nine, "A Case of You." Uh huh has a run at the end out of nowhere. She she gets to like another chorus and does this. It's it's not just that the range is so big. She's very accurate with the notes she's hitting. Yeah. So it's this piano style do 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 like that kind of thing. And it is it's insane. By today's standards it's it's wild. And she's again she's just doing that. There she's just singing no, that there is no help, brother. Yeah. There is no like um, that was cool, Joni. Let me edit it in here and it'll no, be good. Like no, 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 no. Like her voices do it. Like that's crazy. Yeah, wild, wild, wild stuff. Um a little uh <laughs> so a little like um at at some points vocal stylings like very reflected of the times. So in blue in that song, the vibrato is deep it is it is deep let's talk a little lyrics um because that's super super big thing of this album right so (laughs) modern albums and modern artists like taylor swift are kind of like famous for the breakup albums sure this this is this is the (laughs) the one that got the ball rolling sure this this is about multiple breakups um, like if, like if you, so actually if I'm, if I'm being honest, it doesn't, if you read through the lyrics, it doesn't necessarily read like a, like what we think of today as a quote unquote breakup album. Yeah. But it's the precursor to all that stuff. It's like, if you look up any article on this, it's going to talk about how she was at, at a certain point was dating Graham Nash, which was Crosby, Stills and Nash. Uh, then eventually was dating, um, uh, the guitar player, uh, James Taylor. She was dating him. And then. Uh, hey James, you want to come play some acoustic <laughs> on a track I wrote about breaking up with you, dude? Really uh, use your skills. Uh, and yeah, so those those songs, uh, I think they're like, I didn't really understand the one about Carrie. I don't know if that's like a significant other or if that's just a rando person. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, regardless, even even that context at that time, it's honestly, if, if we're being real, it's still not much of a thing at this point. But the idea of uh, of a lady singing songs about like, yeah, I dated this dude and we broke up, and I dated this dude and we broke up, mm. was it was that was a very like, only guys do that. Only yeah. only guys sing about multiple partners and like their relationships. So that was a way different thing for the times. 
Um, but what I thought was the most interesting, I kind of alluded to this just a second ago. The the when I think of a modern breakup album, it it gets very one sided. It it gets very like this dude treated me wrong, mm-hmm. and he's the worst, and I'm the best, and it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, this one doesn't read like that in a lot of instances. There's um, so in the first song, I think it is, and in. I gotta remember what it is in River in the song that sounds like a Christmas song, track eight. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> so if you haven't listened, <laughs> track eight, River, uh, starts with a melancholy piano rendition of Jingle Bells. It's the saddest Jingle Bells I've ever heard and in my life. <laughs> I literally listened to it and thought, "Wow, Joni just ripped off Jingle Bells." Okay, but it's actually it's about Christmas, so it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of I I came to think it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a neat little. Yeah, she's it's obvious. It's not just her take on Jingle Bells. It, like it, it's it's not. But lyrically in that song and in the first track, there are lines about how it goes both ways. Like the relationships go yeah. go both ways, and it's this other person's fault, but it's also Joni's fault. Like it, it's it's not a one sided thing where only this person was wrong. Uh, the the one the line I really liked in the first track I can't remember the exact wording but it's the idea of it's it's basically the idea of like you hurt me and then I hurt you back like it's like those yeah I like can going back and forth sort which here the passage you know what I mean the, the... um uh and, and I think that idea is much more reflective um because there's obviously going to be relationships where it's one sided and one person is always at fault but a lot sure. of times it's not that black and white it's right. you know this person does this, which then you hold resentment for. And then you hold that in, you know, you hold, you put that down and then it comes back out six months later. And then now you're the aggressor. Right. Um, and a lot of times that happens. And in both of those tracks, it's a lot more self-reflective, uh, which Mm -hmm. I thought was really refreshing because a lot of modern albums that, that do that thing, it's basically just, let me empower myself. Distracts. Yeah, uh, it's that. It's just that. That's you know? not. That's uh, maybe not quite the same thing, but but very one sided. Yeah, but this this album was way ahead of like all of that stuff. You know, you we can find probably if if we dug a little bit, we could probably find twenty albums that were released this past year that are just about a relationship that somebody had. Yeah, that didn't that didn't go well. Uh, this this was that. This this was for sure that. Yeah, I think you can take it, you know, for what you want here. But like you said, even on, I'm thinking of the first track, and there are so many words I can't remember the words, unfortunately. But the the section you referenced, the like, the, some, I, I actually the, wrote the, it in my notes. the The section, the words were, "See how you hurt me, so I hurt you." Got it. That's the line. Like after that, after that, Joni still, I guess I I believe here we we're talking about this record, so I should know it, but. Like there are positive things that she says about that relationship after that line. Like it's still like like I, I believe I think so. Like yeah. like the it's not just like like you said, it's not really just like trashing on the other person. Like it's kinda like Joni's holding these like two things in you know, one in each hand, sort of simultaneously. Like there's a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt came her way. She would have given a lot of hurt like a lot of negativity. Like like each yeah. peep each person was negative. But she still sort of can like see or reference or remember like there were some good parts about this relationship. 
and it's more like she a lot of times it hit the, the what hit me like the the styling the delivery of her vocals is more just like you're sort of remorseful it didn't work out yes it's not doesn't, absolutely it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like angry towards the other person it's like yeah we both kind of could have done better there were some cool parts yeah now I'm she, over it she, or like she, I'm past it and yeah and, and that's she, that it, that yeah that's such a good point she put she points out in a lot of these tracks that it didn't work out and it's a bummer and it's sad but she also seems to remember why the relationship started in the first yeah, place. Yeah, there's always like a little like instance of like, yeah, we this event was cool, or like I like spending time with you, or you made me feel this way, or like like. Which to none me, none of these songs feel angry to me. There's no, there's well, may, maybe. So I, I actually like, think um the kind of one. Now again, I'm I'm sometimes a little obtuse with with understanding the deeper meaning of lyrics. I love writing songs and I love digging into this stuff, but sometimes I. I have a tendency to like miss the boat entirely. Uh, the second track, uh, "My Old Man," the, the piano one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, doesn't really feel like a breakup song at all. Maybe I'm wrong. It talks about like uh, a relationship she's I'm in, not sure which it I is. think is Graham Nash. I think pe- like you can look it up. That people know who these songs are about now. Got it. But uh, it talks about them being there, and then what it feels like when they're not there. I don't actually think it's a breakup thing. It might be, but it's it just seems more like it never hit me as that. Yeah, but it hit but, me as like the other person literally had to go on a trip. Or had, yeah, so these are probably musicians, really, so they probably toured. Maybe that's really stupid of me. Maybe maybe they were like, yeah, I don't want to be here. I, I don't. It never felt. It didn't feel like a breakup. I agree. I agree. But it's definitely, you know, these are people that she, for for one re- reason or another, that the relationship ended, but there's still this feeling of the times with this person are awesome yeah and and i to me i just i just think that's a much more uh men and women alike that 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 type of writing is much more whether you like the way it makes you feel or not it's way more relatable because it's the idea of people aren't perfect there's there a lot of times whether it's a romantic relationship or like friendship or something it's not just one sided it's it's a it's a combined effort sure. right and you have to kind of examine yourself just as much as you examine the other person the the line that stuck with me not from this record but in reading about Joni Mitchell talking about blue uh it's everything that you're saying she she said that like at times she felt like the song to say what it ne- how it needed to be, you know, to to set to lyrically what needed to be in this song, she felt like she had to sort of sacrifice herself em- emotionally, hmm. meaning uh, like she needed to show like her imperfect, like hey, I wasn't, I am part of why this didn't go well, or or, uh, but the the thing that gets me and it sort of put these songs in a new light is that she said she felt like writing these songs, uh what she was trying to say is she had nothing to hide, but she said she literally felt like the, uh, like if you buy a pack of cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. That's a famous the, quote. The, the, the plastic on the outside, like the clear plastic that you tear off, like you see right through it. There's no like protection. To, there's no, you know, it's very thin. It's very fragile. Like she's yeah. like, that's, that's what I felt like I writing that these songs, the cellophane. Yes. They called it cellophane yep. back mm-hmm. then. Yep. Uh, on the outside of like a pack of, you know, be a pack yeah, of whatever. That's, but yeah, that's what she said. That she was her, like. that was her, uh, you know, 
uh, perspective or whatever. That's where she was coming from. Very much not coming from like a, I hate you. This album is to, you know, skewer you. Uh, it was just like, this. it was just the truth. It's yeah. like, hey, I'm just going to write where I'm at. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Any other thoughts? I'm going to well, maybe shift over to musical concepts, but any other like lyric or I vocal thoughts? I think lyrically, um, this just made me think about like, like, cause we're going through this, you know, we're going through these records and a lot of it is, um, you know, just trying to know what, what was out there for me, like what informed the things that you like or what informed, like, you know, nothing's really done in a vacuum. Like somebody is, everybody's inspired by somebody before. And there's probably somebody before them that Joni Mitchell was super inspired by. It may not have done it the exact same way that Joni did, but, um, for sure. Uh, the the just lyrically like it seemed like she was one of the monumental like like just a glimpse into an event in your life like there are so many artists that I really enjoy that come to mind these days for me like oh they're just kind of doing that thing like very descriptive very very descriptive either emotionally or like the events of this really kind of uh uh specific thing that took place like I just see now in a way it's not just lyric heavy in like, uh, like pet sounds, Brian Wilson obviously cared immensely about like the, the vocals as well, but it's a very different thing. Like it's a very different thing with Joni Mitchell and just that sort of storyteller, like personal event in your life, storyteller thing. It's like, Oh wow. If Joni was kind of one of the first modern times people to be doing that, it's like, there's literally like hundreds and hundreds of people that are just like taking a page out of her book. Uh, it was just cool to kind of take it back to like, oh, this is maybe where a lot of this started or, or a lot of what is inspiring those people. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. You know, I, I think that's a great point. I think the one of the coolest things about music is it, it, it kind of in its own way evolves, but it right. evolves from the experiences you have with the music you listen to. Right. So Joni listened to things, and then that informed her decision, and then people listened to Joni, and that informed their position, right. which eventually led to artists like modern Taylor Swift like doing that thing because generations and generations had built through this. I'm this thinking about process, like, you know? I mean, you and I both uh, like very much dig like Andy Schaaf records mm-hmm. and just the way I'm thinking about like the way that he'll sort of take you through a scene. Some, mm-hmm. There's sort of a, almost like you got to fit it into the song, but it's like sometimes the, there's these like random lines, but the more that you listen to it, it's like, oh, I think I can kind of see the picture you're painting. For and sure. Like that's what's going on on Blue first couple of listens for me lyrically is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, right. I don't, but then you sort of get this sort of picture that there is that's being a, painted. That's a really good point. Uh, I actually thought which was cool to me. No joke. My personal favorite listening experience was one of the times I listened, I had the lyrics in front of me and just like scrolled through ah. and read them while she sang. Yeah, that was that probably been cool. one of the most enjoyable experiences listening to this album yeah, was just kind of yeah. like understanding what she's talking do about. That. Uh, so let's talk about a little bit of music stuff, please. Um, so, like I like me and Ben alluded to here, there's not a lot of instrumentation on this album, uh, but there is there is a couple uh, really cool gems, and it's funny because I was drawn to a couple tracks uh, where the acoustic guitar sounded a lot different than um, than like a normal you know James Taylor song mm-hmm. or Bob Dylan song or something, and then I read. I don't know if you came across this, but uh, Led Zeppelin really liked Joni Mitchell. Um, uh, Joni Mitchell uh, is uh, 
she was from Canada, but I, a lot of her life, I believe she lived in California and supposedly going to California was very inspired by Joni Mitchell. And specifically some people believe that the line in Led Zeppelin's going to California, uh, someone told me there's a girl out there with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair. She, she plays guitar and cries and sings that whole thing might be Joni Mitchell. Um, huh. Um, but I mean, here's come here's on, man, it kind of has to be now that you like. For but here's real. here's the thing: they they were vocally, they would in interviews they'd say like Joni Mitchell's amazing. We we love her music. Um, but one of the interesting things that I noticed was so Joni Mitchell is pretty into alternate tunings on guitar, and <laughs> there are um a couple songs on this one in particular that I'm going to talk about. That when I heard it, I was like, "Oh, that kind of sounds like a Led Zeppelin song." <laughs> huh. uh, so I, okay. I, I partly wonder. Now, the interesting thing is, I actually looked it up this morning. Led Zeppelin three would have come out the same year, and then Led Zeppelin four, probably the, their you know most famous album, uh, came out a year later. It came out in seventy two. So um, there's some overlap here of you know who influenced who. Sure, but. There's definitely a vibe on one of these songs that I'm going to talk about that has the Led Zeppelin thing. And it was funny because I didn't realize that at the time. I didn't realize they were You fans. didn't know the connection. Yeah, you're, I just thought, oh, man, that guitar that, that guitar part sounds cool. I should learn that guitar part. Nice. And then later it was like, oh, Led Zeppelin was really influenced for their acoustic songs by Joni Mitchell. And I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> that's that's sweet, man. I, I, yeah, that's a wild uh, crossover. Or whatever. I would I would never have listened to these songs and been like, oh, I bet I bet Jimmy Page was jamming this crap. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was not did not uh, cross my mind. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about alternate tunings a little bit uh, for acoustic guitar. The the line I read, which seems maybe relevant right now. Uh, I just remember something about Joni. Somebody was talking about this world. Just what are mm-hmm. you playing, Joni? And she just said. She just called her style playing Joni's little weird chords. That was the, uh, uh, so take me there, man. Take me there. Okay. So I thought it would be fun so that you could hear the one tuning in this one song is absolutely bizarre. Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, the seventh track, this flight tonight. And, um, I'm going to actually tune it while I kind of explain what's going on. So you can hear the difference. If you're not a guitar player, you can hear the difference, right? So uh, standard guitar tuning, E, A, D, G, B, E. The one caveat is if you are, for some weird reason, if you're holding a guitar right now while you're listening to this, I'm actually tuned a half step up because the song is actually in G sharp. So uh, this top note is actually an F. It's not um, It's not an E. Uh, but uh, what's, what's going on here is we have that tuning, uh, standard guitar tuning for for a reason, um, because that way you can hold minor chords and major chords really easily. Um, but obviously alternate tunings tend to accentuate different chord voicings and stuff like that. So, um, so what, what we're going to do is, is kind of tune to a G chord, which is probably one of my favorite tunings. Uh, again, I'm, I'm a half step up, but, uh, so instead of an E, we're going to tune this, this, this bad boy down to a D. This might take me a couple times because guitars don't like to be tuned differently but so the high e string becomes a d so then you have d and then you keep the b the same you keep the g the same you keep the d the same and then you're going to tune the a down to a g now this is actually pretty normal uh one of my favorite tunings is open g tuning so if i just play the low five strings 
it sounds like a nice chord now instead of like a standard guitar tuning. But the weird part about this song is is that <laughs> this is gonna sound wild. I'm gonna tune this this low E down to a G. Typically, if you did open G tuning, it would go to a D. Uh, down to a G. <laughs> Take me there. Is this even possible? My tuner's having a little trouble. <laughs> tuner is not not feeling it. There it is. There it is. I was second guessing myself. I was like, surely that's low enough, but it's not. There we go. Tuner said you can't do this. All right. So even when I, I'm going to go back and just slightly adjust these, even when you hear <laughs> the difference of the strings, so like that's my what was high E, and then I go down to the B, and then when I get down to this low E string, it sounds insane because it's just way too low. Like you actually lose a lot of the, the low end from your string because it's not tight anymore. <laughs> so there's my G, and then... My low G. Whoa. Alright. Piano strings over there. So the cool thing now is that when I strum my guitar, I'm not holding anything down with my left hand. I just have this nice G chord, right? Right. You have to be kind of cautious when you do the low G because when when the string is that loose, if I hit it really hard, you can actually hear it go sharp and then come back. Like that. Uh, but what's cool, it's it's kind of funny thinking about this album in context because it kind of does the thing that a dulcimer does, where it kind of drones around uh, a note. This is yeah. kind of the idea of having your G chord always present, no matter what right. you do, right? Uh, so this song starts... Yeah. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about the chorus, but uh, this light tonight starts with these kind of unique chords that it's this one first, and then it's that one. What are these chords? Right? So the cool, the kind of cool thing is you have basically like I'm only holding the high strings down. Open like that. That's crazy. That the last chord is just not just open. Yeah, the the last like, thing I did was just no fingers on my crazy. guitar, right? But you can kind of hear even in those kind of weird chords. Now I'm, again, I'm not really gonna talk, focus on this part, but even those chords. You hear the G thing ringing out over everything, right? So my favorite part of this song for sure is the chorus where we have a chord that sounds like this and then a chord that sounds like this, a chord that sounds like that, that, and then back to open, right? Um, so what's cool about this specific tuning and I think why I like open G so much is because all I did when, when I was doing that stuff was essentially on the D and the G or the D and the B string. I'm just holding basically like thirds. Okay. And then I I keep I just keep moving them down. So you have this super pretty sounding Huh, right? You can even hear that low string rattle sometimes cuz it's so low. But uh, let me think of that chorus here. So light, so light, you got the loving that I like, alright. Turn this crazy bird around, I shouldn't have got on this flight tonight. 
right? And again, oh. when I break those down, I love that one. That's that's it has the major seven thing in there too. Um, it's essentially like you could argue that's just G the whole time. Just I was gonna to, say, can you real quick to tell like like what are the the, the actual notes? Of, so of, uh, it's sorry, all G. Spot, like this is this would still feel like G. Um, because just the notes of the yeah. in those chords. Like, uh, uh, then then it feels like I go down to like a harmony that would be over top of a C. Again, I'm thinking as if this was in standard tuning. I know it's in G sharp, but for a guitar player, it feels like I'm holding two notes of C. I'm holding two notes of a D chord. Two notes of a C, and then we're back, right? But again, like you could technically argue, it's all G, just doing some kind of suspended major seven kind of Dude. stuff. Starlight, starlight, you got the loving that I like, alright. Turn this crazy bird around, I shouldn't have gone on this flight tonight. So, as a massive Led Zeppelin fan, what I think of in this song is the, I don't know how you, I never understood how you pronounce it, but Bronyar Stomp or whatever. Right. So there's a part like in the, in the, in the verse where she'll do this thing and then she'll do this chord, this chord, and then she'll go. Which sounds very similar to that song on Led Zeppelin. Right. Um, but anyway. Oh, my um, gosh. Super interesting. Um, you know, honestly, I'm a little biased because I've been a music teacher for so long, but I really think if you want to appreciate an album more or a song more, if you take the time to learn what they actually do, it's just way more rewarding, and you start to understand a little bit of how much they worked and how their mind worked and how it wasn't just, you know, I'm going to play G chord you know, like really creative artists find ways to do things that aren't just the norm. You right, know what I mean? right, right, right. Um, so doing stuff like this really helps you kind of interpret, oh, there's there's some like really delicate thought put into how they orchestrated this song, even though that song is mostly two guitars and a vocal. Like that's right. most of that song. So uh, yeah, so alternate tunes, huh. super cool. I love open G. Never in my life thought... To tune that low string <laughs> down to the octave low G, but uh, there it is, you know? Dude, fascinating to me. So uh, a lot of this, I'm sure you could talk about like the tunings for all of it, you know, the, the we could do a lot on that. But just for me, hearing these songs, it is really interesting. I, I, hearing them through, it come it picks up kind of right away for me. It's like there's not something... For lack of a better way to say it, the guitar sounded like weird to me on a lot of songs. Not bad, different than what you would normally hear an acoustic doing or what I'm used to hearing an acoustic doing. And I'm sure that that explains it. Like Joni is using, she's not playing it like a traditional uh, right. uh, uh, acoustic or a traditional mm -hmm. tuning or traditional chord voicings. Like it's it's neat, man. I get it now. I get, or I get what is going on behind the mm -hmm. scenes to kind of produce that that yep sounding different. Super cool. So, let's get to the big question. Big question. 
How you like that, Joni? You like synths? I was gonna say, Joni. <laughs> Joni would have been. Joni would have been doing the talk box. Uh, she she would have been into it. All right, big question. We both know it this week, just like last week. The the question. So you've you've heard us the question. You've Tell heard us, us talk question. a bunch about Joni Mitchell's album, and obviously this one is a little different from the last uh, t- two. We've only done two other oh, ones so far. Only two, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, I'm. We'll talk about it later. I'm very, very excited for the next three or four because I know them very well. Anyway, uh, so we this one is a little different because it's we. You could tell just from how we talked about it. It's so focused on vocals and lyrics, right? Um, so my question is, uh, how important do you think lyrics are in determining a quote unquote hit record or a successful record? And follow up would be, are they more or less important? today wow uh it's the big question bro uh can you read that one more time yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. just the and specific, i i can uh, start off too you, uh, i think you started last time so yeah I can, why I don't can, why yeah. don't you take it away so uh, again the question is how important are lyrics in determining oh. a hit record successful uh-huh. record and are they more or less important today 2023 so i do have some maybe hot takes on some parts of this question i think that a lot of it is this is this is the big question is almost always subjective. So sure, you, know, yeah, you can have opinions; it's okay. But we just like starting a conversation. I think that lyrics are very dependent on the genre that you're in. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I think that you know if you have a song that has just amazing groove. I mean, we we literally talked about Led Zeppelin, and some of their lyrics are just bogus. Like. <laughs> I I am a huge Led Zeppelin fan, and I am the first to admit that some of those songs they that you know uh, I remember learning acoustic guitar to "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You," and that song mostly just says "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You" seven hundred times. That's all it says. <laughs> so, but that song rocks, and the oh, chord it. progression is so cool, and when the drums come in, it's so awesome. Love it. So uh, I think it's very dependent on the kind of genre that you're doing. So in a way, I think it, it it's I'm a little bit straddling the fence here. Like, I think that you can have a hit record that has amazing lyrics and it be driven by the lyrics, like this one. I also think that you can have records that the music is so cool, the lyrics almost mean nothing. Mm-hmm, right. And I think that both of those can be quote unquote hit records. I think that my my bigger issue is I think today. Is a hot take, I know, but I just don't think it means as much today. <laughs> I I think I think that so I, I'm trying my I'm going to try my best to not sound like a jaded old man that's you know old guy on his porch <laughs> complaining about the younger kids. I I think that these days so much of what people equate to the hit record is how how many streams it gets or right. you know all or how if it gets used in a movie or something. And I think that people try to write words that they think are appealing to the generation that they're trying to reach. They don't actually really care about, like Joni Mitchell, whether you like this album or not, that's a wildly personal record for her. And it was probably very intimidating for her to go out on a ledge and say, this is me. If you don't like it, you're kind of saying you don't like me. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. But that, sure. like, you can look it up. All of these songs that she's talking about, these are actual experiences that she had. The song that I talked about on guitar is about a flight that she took back to California. 
um, while she was thinking about like a relationship that she, that she was going through. So I, I think that albums like that are amazing because they're so personal and you can tell that person actually felt those things. Mm-hmm, right. These days, yes, I know that there are artists that do that, that do the thing that this is a wildly personal thing to me and it means a lot. And you can tell. It's just really hard these days to know if it's actually true or if it's just you're writing these words because you know that you'll get likes on Instagram, sure. TikTok, you know what I mean? So uh, I, I just straight up don't think it's as important because I think that you can kind of just target and use big catchy words that um, that lean a certain way and immediately you're in this genre. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I, again, I know that's a hot take. And please understand, I think that there's artists out there that are doing amazing things. There's tons of them. Find them. Do 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 the work to like dig through some artists and find the ones that that really connect to you on a on a personal level. I just like even I think, you know, in the last 15, 20 years, there's there's like a thing of um it's it's weirdly pop culture, like kind of cool to be sad. So you just have tons of artists that are doing sad things, sad songs and like kind of depressing songs. And I think sometimes I wonder like, are you, are you actually sad? Like, some of these people are, you know, right. multimillionaires and, you know, <laughs> live in a mansion and drive a Mercedes to the studio and then record their sad song. Right. You know what I mean? Not that possessions, like, equate to happiness, but you know what I mean. Uh, so I just, I, I don't know. Um, again, that maybe sounds like jaded old man, but that is a hot take. Uh, this you know big questions about opinions. So yeah, dude, that is take. my opinion. I'm if 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 you think you can change my opinion, I'm happy to hear. Let's thoughts. talk about it. That, that's but, the point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th- those are kind of my thoughts. I think that um, for sure, what people connected with on this album that made it a hit was not the guitar playing. It was not the dulcimer. It was what Joni had to say, and the way she said it. Right. So I think that it absolutely has a factor in determining your your hit song or whatever your hit record or whatever. Right. Um, but I think it's dependent on the artist that you are and what you're trying to do. The the I'll maybe start this way because this is interesting. So I don't know or, or you know you come up with a big question. I I knew it before this podcast, but not soup. You know, not really while I'm listening to this record necessarily. Right. And. Uh, one of the thoughts that I had while I was listening through, I I talked before about these songs were a little like a little disorienting at first, like hard to sort of latch onto musically. Uh, I was a little bit confused because uh, this is third, right, on our best albums like ever. Yes. Uh, and I literally remember thinking, listen to these songs. If this record came out today, like no one would like this, like. <laughs> You're not wrong. Like uh, in in a so let me let me a little bit walk that back. But like in a like like you wouldn't play one of these songs on the radio today, unless it was some like basement college radio that was playing whatever at four in the morning. Like none of these songs are none of these songs in my opinion would have been like top forty pop hits today. You would never hear them. Uh, None of these songs to me again. It's just a take, but like. Part of why I think I don't know any of these songs or like never really had heard them. Uh, these songs aren't getting licensed. They're not good for commercials. They're not getting put in movies. They're probably, a lot of these songs probably are in movies that I'm just ignorant of. But I'm saying like 
modern. No, I totally uh, agree. Mo- like that doesn't make them like, bad songs. It's just that you know when we were growing up as kids we didn't hear these songs on the radio they in don't our parents fit, car they don't fit that thing and so i was a little bit confused of like how am i listening to this record that's like number 3 like so so like influential but these songs don't fit this mold and i honestly think that i, I would agree with you so it's genre dependent do the lyrics matter but i would say in modern times you know 50 years removed from blue coming out popular music like whatever that means the the artists that we say you're you're the most popular you're doing the best you're the most successful i think lyrics matter way less um the the what comes to mind here to me with like again it gets really ranty really fast in case you haven't like figured this out yet aaron and i are older than we've ever been uh approaching <laughs> not being that young anymore and i think maybe this <laughs> podcast you're just seeing us deal with that in real time but uh like Very true like i just so so the the big thing to me here i guess do lyrics matt but uh i think the difference or one of the differences to me is like quick payoff versus long payoff like mm-hmm. in the society that we live in like it or not it's like attention spans are smaller so if you're an artist, it's like, how can I make you think what I'm doing is cool in like 15 seconds of a TikTok now instead of like an album's worth of content? And again, there are many artists that are not doing that, like Aaron said. Oh, yeah, tons. But I think to me, it would prove the point. But like you probably don't know them unless you're looking for them because mm-hmm. those are not the artists that are going to be in like the public eye because that crap ain't selling. Uh so it, I just had this sort of wild moment. Like you keep saying Taylor Swift, and I think that's a great comparison. Like Taylor arguably would be one of the the you know at at the peak of like uh, a female performer. Like she's on I, the, on, I would on the, say the, you at know, this point right that now. we're recording the podcast. I would say she's now. This might change in the next couple of months, but I would say at this point right now, she is the biggest artist in the world. Like she just did that tour who you know people paid like millions to see her for one seat or whatever whatever Mm -hmm. like and so i just keep thinking about like is that the uh uh celebrity that joni mitchell had like was that like the the place in pop culture like people were like that influenced by joni as an artist as they are like by taylor like were they that did they love her that much and it seems like the answer is yes and that is in a way just wild to me because I feel like if this record came out today, I already said this is like we mm-hmm. would not gravitate. I don't think people would even spend the time to listen to this record, my, myself included. I'm, I mean, I'm still guilty. I'm saying like I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy this record until I had the chance to listen to it at least four or five times. And I was like, oh, Joni's kind of like doing a thing here. Yeah. Like, like it's the long payoff. I like mm-hmm. got it more in it lyrically. And... So, yes, I think that now, maybe the, my answer to the question is now we don't value the lyrics in our pop artists. Maybe that's a, a way to sort that's of probably get, a good it, way get to it put better. It. That's, like, that's probably what I'm saying, Like, too. as a culture or whatever you want to say, like, I, 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 I don't think that we value it the way that people valued it back then. And another thing that's just sort of striking to me that I'll this is my little two cents and then I'll certainly be done. But uh, a little bit even of what you, you so you sort of illuminated me here on this this podcast, but uh, Joni Mitchell at the, you know, the peak of her fame or whatever you want to say, the peak of her success in the public eye um, is 
there's this connectedness of like Joni is inspired by Led Zeppelin, you know, or whatever. Like like a Led Zeppelin record came out first, and then Joni hears it and goes, "That's sick!" Like I, you're there's a connectedness of like. No, you even mentioned not just forget Led Zeppelin, but like Joni and her friends and her group of people, like what she was sort of surrounded by these other artists that like, what's your art like? And they're helping one another. They're sort of tag teaming along. And I think this is a little bit of the, you know, as a 2020, uh, it's like 2020s person, you like look back at the seventies or whatever. And you're like, Oh, it's just all like art and, and these intellectual things and all like people are making art now just, just the same, but absolutely the, 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 I don't hear about artists these days. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Zeppelin interview, or whatever, and they're like, "We love Joni Mitchell. We're inspired by her." I don't remember like I don't think people do that now nowadays. I'm sure that they do, but so but... it's weird. I I actually think it's more of a branding thing these days, and it's less about music. Like, um, I think it, um, people will see what they're doing with their quote unquote brand and say, "I should do that too." You know, um, people will see, oh, Taylor Swift Gross. did this thing on her tour <laughs> that seemed to, like, draw more attention, so I should do that on my tour, too. So I think it's really interesting. Uh, we didn't touch on this, but I know that Joni Mitchell had sentiments. I'm not sure sort of what part in her career, but, like, she got really, really, she was really sort of, like, resistant to the record industry as, like, a concept because she just felt like the industry was trying to control her art. And that was repulsive to her. And I, and I, you know, I, I didn't read. That. I don't know. This is uh, so. I don't know where that all. Let like Joni at one point. Uh, man, please. You know, the times are going to be wrong. But near the end of her career, she had done like fifteen or sixteen records, and she, to my knowledge, publicly stated, "She's like, I'm going to do this record I'm about to release, and I'm not making music anymore because I think like the state of the record industry mm. sucks. So I'm like not going to be part of it." Obviously, she'd also already made like twenty records, so it's like I don't know, <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, but but the point is, she was very anti the thing you're saying, uh, like just the consumerism and how can we sell this and how can we like, to her, I get, you know that that would not that was not what the art was about, and I just get this maybe it's just romanticized, but even prior to Joni Mitchell, like, I was reading last night about like like just sort of groups of poets that inspired people and and because I thought that maybe Joni came from that tradition mm, but she gotcha. didn't really uh I'm saying it seemed like there was a lot more collaboration into art and a lot more like if I'm an artist and you're an artist it's like man I can't wait to hear what you're going to do not to like see how many likes it gets online or not to see like oh not the, not the I'm not disagreeing with you but like the you weren't ready to see like how does the what's what's he gonna do for like the branding? You were like wanting to be inspired by this art to let it inspire your sure. art. It seemed like a lot of times if you're it, surrounded by a community of artists, there's a sense of it's it's um so I would compare it to competition, but it's not necessarily it's healthy competition. It's it's like oh man, you did this really. It's the it's so the, we, we talked, talked about this, about this in the Beach exactly. Boys and that's, the Beatles. That's thing. what I'm saying. We talked it's about it's that this healthy last level time. of you're in, you see what somebody did and how great it is, and you say man. That's awesome. I want to do it. something you're, that great. Mm-hmm. So then you try to like do that. And yeah, there's some like in all in all honesty, there is some healthy level of like, man, I want to do something even cooler. But it's not in a way that's like the what the other person did is bad or that you want to be better than them. It's more like, man, I, I want to create art that's just as good, if not better. And I'm not trying to necessarily whitewash it all looking back. We clearly talked about quickly with pet sounds like 
and that you know Brian Wilson was upset that it didn't sell like it like he thought it would. Right. Like it's not just all like these dudes only cared about the art. It was so pure. They would be like poor, living out right. of nothing because their art was so like Brian Wilson was very sad that it didn't produce the money he thought it like, like it's not all perfect but it just seems like with these kinds of records that we're listening through obviously the ones we've done so far are sort of back in time uh the lyrics and the substance of the art seemed much more important to the artists and to the public eye than than uh your question than, yeah then maybe we treat those things today so yeah, so you guys can determine your own thoughts on that question. But again, this is just our opinion. Um, I think yeah, one of dude. the coolest things I've known you, Ben, for a long, long, long time. I think both of us, um, you know, I don't want to speak of myself too highly, but I think both of us are very open to having our opinions changed. You sure. Know? So, like, if, you know, if I talk to somebody and they, they illuminate me to, like, oh, this is how it used to be and this is how it is now, and maybe it's different than what I think, I'm pretty open to that. Um, but I think the idea here is just to get opinions have that out conversation. And, yeah, just have that to, conversation. To me, yep. and, and and you know, if you're into the arts today, please continue to be. Heck yeah! Uh, but I'm saying, like, if you like lyrics, it, keep writing them, dude. It's, it's been helpful to me to see, like, oh, dude, this is the these are the people that were doing this stuff before, and certainly Absolutely. don't mishear me. I'm not uh, like a Joni, like you know, they're far more. Yeah, I'm not equating myself to that, but it's it's been helpful to me to man know what you got to know what what came before. Yeah, makes you a better artist. Sweet. Uh, closing thoughts here. I liked what we did last time with the little two tracks that you liked and two tracks that I liked that you could maybe direct people. Uh, if, if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, the two tracks that you liked. So I did really enjoy Yeah, I don't know that we meant to do that, but it's a great... The, my, the tra- I liked uh, Blue. I dug the title track, uh, which you said you did not. That but, was uh, one of my least favorites. I dug... <laughs> I dug, I dug opinions can change, man. And they can, and they can be different. It's okay. It's yes, great. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I liked Blue and uh, the last song, What the last time I saw Richard, is the, or the last wow. time I talked to Richard. Or, or, wow. So the thing that I liked, <laughs> I didn't like those songs when I listened through the first time, but... but uh, I found myself thinking about this. Is real, we're gonna get real. It's real, real art. It's all about art today. I found myself like those songs made me feel the. I feel like I connected most with like Joni's emotional performance in those in those songs, and I feel like I. Uh, I feel like I I sort of got to the. Uh, it took me there, for lack of a better way to say it. Like it, those two songs sort of, try, I think, took me there to like, oh, what do I think this person was feeling when they wrote these things? I'm not saying I know uh, uh, the inner workings of Joni Mitchell, but like those songs made me feel the most, and sort of, especially the last time I saw Richard, just felt really the concept of that song was just really. Uh, it just it really hit me, I guess. This sort of friend no, that sure that sure that those ones made me feel the most and helped me like get there the most. Uh, the others are su- super cool still, but uh, yeah, I would. Um, man, it's very interesting. Those were pretty low on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are pretty low. Uh, They're also piano songs, uh, uh, which for whatever reason, the uh, like I, I think this makes a lot of sense between me and you, but like I, I. I gravitated to Joni's piano songs quicker than yeah. her guitar songs. I love. Um, so I like on it. on that note, I did really enjoy. The, the, so the first song that ended up sticking in my head was the second track. Okay, yeah. My old man, yeah. he's a singer in the park. Uh, it's another piano song. Uh, I like that one a lot. 
Uh, I also, um, I already mentioned I really liked this flight tonight because of the guitar, but the other one that I would maybe recommend is honestly just the first track. I think the first track really is a song that encompasses what you're about to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does like a lot of the things that a lot of the songs are going to do in a nice way in a song that, in my opinion, is pretty fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say those two. Um, there are honestly a lot of good ones. I'm looking at the track list right now, and there's just a, like there's a lot of ones that I could recommend. Um, but yeah, I would probably do the I first two. California, this mm-hmm. flight to not, I mean, like I kind of they all have their own little thing to mm-hmm. offer. Yeah. Um, so on that note, um, that, that's that's the end of this this podcast. Um, I wanted to point out next week we're going to tackle <laughs> we're going to tackle songs in the key of life by uh, Stevie Wonder. Oh. And I don't know if you're aware, Ben. Uh, I love this album. It's amazing. I think, uh, so. I think, yeah, I it know is you like it. 21 songs and it's an hour and 45 minutes long. Oh my gosh. So good luck to us. Uh, <laughs> it's an hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, so good luck to us. Um, <laughs> but we will talk about that one next week. Um, Steve. Uh, we'll talk about that one next week. So, uh, yeah, if you want to listen to that one ahead of oh time or if you want to wait for us, either way, uh, we're in for a journey on that one. So, uh, yeah, so thanks for listen, uh, listening to this podcast. Uh, we'll be back uh, talking about that album next week. Adios. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this podcast, guys. We really appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun doing this. Uh, if you have any thoughts or comments or concerns or questions about what we talked about, you're welcome to drop me a line. Uh, you can go to the studio's website at redbirdrecordings.com. If you have any comments or questions that would be relevant to OTW Music, same thing please visit us at our website, otwmusic.com. And thanks for listening to Greatness with us.